Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Caught Offside with Andrew Gundling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes, Caught Offside outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I would like to apologize for my mic just to oh. begin the podcast, Andrew. This is this is concerning. My mic should be better than it is, and I'm sorry, guys. Right before we started, it seemed to have uh, crapped out on us. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is awkward, a moment like this, when, I th- when I think one end be- of the one side of the podcast is clearly more invested in it than the other it's uh don't hard to see don't even start speaking of invested what you really um, should be apologizing for is that shirt i know i'm wearing a sleeveless shirt i went out for a run a disastrous run which i aborted halfway through because my knee is absolutely killing me i'm blinded by the whiteness of your upper arms yeah but distracting and look but look at the contrast with the with the rest of the arm so there's a there's definitely a kind of a it's what, what we refer call- to as a farmer's tan here in the farmer's United States. Farmer's tan, yes, yes, yes. Um, but but sp- but going back to um, investment in the pod, right. uh, if everyone would like to get over onto Reddit there, over to the animals, there has been a merch leak, and uh, there's some pictures of uh, of our samples of the merch, of our t-shirt samples, which will be coming your way very very soon. Um, yeah, I, no I, I, I I checked Reddit recently. Mm-hmm. And saw Newman posted that the merch has been leaked. You know, oftentimes when when the media gets a hold of a story, uh, something was leaked to the media, and and you try to connect the dots. Okay, who would benefit from this? Where did this come from? What's the source of the leak? Not a whole lot of mystery here, I think, as to the source of this one. No, not really. There's no deep throat. There's no conspiracy. <laughs> it, it doesn't go right to the heart of government. It's. Uh... It's just me and Newman. There you go. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who left a, a review on iTunes as well. That was that was great. Keep doing keep doing that and keep doing it on Spotify wherever you can. But yeah, I'm excited about these t-shirts. I sent them away. So my a friend of mine's a photographer hmm. and at the moment he's do, he seems to be doing like product photography. So you know, he'll set something up and he'll take a picture of it uh, for for various and sundry companies. And I said, "Oh, will you take a picture of these t-shirts? T-shirts that I had worn all week." bunged in the washing machine took them out and brought to a game with me because he's my teammate and then I, I just gave them to him um so he could do a professional job on it so um yeah we'll uh we'll have better photos but um but the response to the merch has been very nice and can i say the design of the t-shirt that i've chosen so comfortable absolutely you'll want to wear it to bed you'll want to go running in it you'll want to go to important meetings in it it's fantastic i was hoping that we would be in the photo shoot like why, we'd be why? wearing them. <laughs> why? But I should tell you, I only do bottomless. All right. That's in my contract. What does that mean? I, 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 I porky pig it, as they say. So or, Winnie you, the, or, or Winnie the Pooh it. Do, do you ever do, you ever do shirt that? Shirt only. You wear a t-shirt and you have socks on, but you have no underpants. Like in the morning where you're trying to put your life together and you just get a, a glimpse of yourself in the mirror for a second. And you're like, this is the height of ridiculous. Yeah, I, I want to wear pants for the shoot, but it's it, it was a contractual error. You're not wearing I, pants I have, now. I have to be bottomless for all photos. You're not wearing pants shoots. now. Under that desk you wear is 
naked as God intended. It's contractual. Or, or in your case, did not intend. I didn't want it that way. Uh, what a show. What a show we have coming up for you here on this lovely Monday evening. Uh, lots of Premier League talk to get into as we have. We are now closing in. We're almost there. It, uh, certainty, certainty is developing in certain areas. Oh God! There's a lot. <laughs> what? Where? What am I wrong about? You sound like all the commentators who were desperate to tell us that there was some kind of, you know, oh, it's it's all hanging in the balance this weekend. <laughs> certainty has developed. <laughs> certainty and, developed a month ago, but go on. I can't. I what are you saying? I can't hear you. Your your microphone quality is. <laughs> um, we'll we'll do some of that. Also, uh, true certainty in La Liga. Now, I mean, we've known that for months, but we'll pay pay homage to Barcelona's season uh, as they go and win the La, uh, win La Liga for the twenty seventh time, um, and we'll also pay homage to Southampton's run in the Premier League as that has officially ended. We'll talk a little bit about that um, and a mailbag. Uh, a mailbag. When I wrote that into the rundown, JJ, I, I almost felt guilty. Like we hadn't, we haven't done a mailbag since we did a mailbag special. I felt like we needed, we owed it to the people uh, to get one in there. So yeah, we got a little mailbag. It's it's a nice one though. There's yeah. a. I've indulged one guy. Usually we don't allow emails that are like super long because in the early days of the podcast we were so desperate that if someone sent us an email, we would read the whole thing. Like, even if by accident they put in their shopping list for the day, we would have read the whole thing. And then we realized oh, that takes up too much time. But but this one I let go because it's a, it's a bit of a, it's an interesting one. Okay. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. You, Of course, you haven't looked at the mailbag. No, I have. Professionalism. I have. It was long. I got through a, about a paragraph and then I, I said, ah, he'll just read it on the show. <laughs> we'll do it. I'll find out there. I saw the name <laughs> Lyndon Gooch mentioned many times throughout. I assume it has to do with him. The Gooch master, yep. Also, there was one thing you left out of the mailbag. I don't know if we want to get to it right away, but uh, various playoffs have been occurring uh, over the past several days throughout England. And Oh, yeah. Uh, John Bostock of Notts County in the playoff final, uh, they were in penalties. He could have sealed the penalty shootout, J.J., no. He didn't. Do you know why he didn't? Because he did a panenka. Panenka! He attempted a panenka to seal a spot in the playoff final. Panenka! Needless to say, I quickly received many tweets <laughs> from people wanting my thoughts on it. Now, this um, was the National League, the Vanarama National League. So it's the non league. It was to, it's to for get pro- up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, my thoughts on it, you know, my thoughts on it. If he were to do this for the, in the Champions Cup, let alone in in something as serious as this, don't do it. Don't ever do it. There's no reason to do it. You'd be off my team immediately. Now, granted, they they went on and they still ended up winning. Yes. And so he was bailed out in a, I mean, in almost like an unprecedented fashion. Um, but I... I t- to get in the mind of someone who would go that route, someone who isn't like Pirlo, you know, like yeah. there's certain guys where like, even if he, when he does it, uh, it still bothers me. But like, what do you, who do you think you are? What I, I couldn't agree more with you because it's just so high risk. That, that method of striking the ball is extremely fraught with danger. You can technically get that all wrong and the ball won't even reach the line. <laughs> like it, it's not, it's it's a delicate kind of thing. 
Um, he also, put his off. He put his off the crossbar. Uh, the only thing that would have been better is right. if it was just simply caught. Those are the most. Those are the ones where you almost you, you got to consider retirement when that happens. I don't know that I can continue as a player uh, after this happened to me. But he hit. He at least hit the crossbar. But it's also I don't get it. it. It's worth noting, you know, like Knotts County are not some kind of, um, you know, a a team that was made up a few years ago. Like they claim to be the oldest professional football club in the world, having formed in in like eighteen sixty two. And they're desperate to get back to league football. It was seen as a disaster when they were relegated. And to have this guy, you know, playing with their emotions like this, allow me, this is my my chance to shine. I've been said, working on this. I said playoff final, by the way. It was, it was, the, it was the actual final. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was the playoff final. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah, okay. I'm, I've <laughs> confused myself now. I don't yeah, even no, know what Because I the champions went up automatically and the champions were Wrexham. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, just stunning. Uh, he, I mean, I remember him with Tottenham. He was a huge. Like, he had come originally through Crystal Palace's system, John Bostock, uh, for years. He as a youth player. Um, I have was, no he regulation was in, of he, him. He, yeah, and then he was with Tottenham for I think five years, but he never really. He was always like high on the list of prospects, and he never really broke through. He might have appeared in a couple like Europe, make a couple Europa League sub appearances or something oh, like that. Hey. Um, and it just it never happened for him. He 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 was in England's youth setup I, all the way through under nineteens. I think he reclassified reclassified at one point for Trinidad. Um, Andrew, this is a. I mean, I, I didn't realize this was the Bostock podcast, but this is one heck of a journeyman resume. So he's at Palace, obviously as a youth player, like you said, he went. He was at five years at Tottenham Hotspur, in which yeah. Brentford loan, Hull loan, Sheffield Wednesday loan, Swindon loan, Toronto FC loan. Mm-hmm. And then Royal Antwerp, Louvain, Lens, Bursa Sport, Toulouse, Forest, Nottingham Forest loan. Recently, 1920. Of course, Forest would have had to have him. They're not allowed, they're not allowed not at least touch every single league <laughs> footballer in the world. Doncaster Rovers, and then he ends up at uh, at Notts County. Unbelievable. He could write up. I mean, yeah, and he was in England, like you said, a youth international all the way to, to under 19, from under 16 to under 19. So yeah. And he's only 31 and he's been to all those places. I mean, right. it's pretty incredible. And and he's only become famous now for this. Uh, again, at least they won. At least they won. But just don't do it. Just don't do it or you're off the team. Uh, let's get into it, JJ. Let's go from from non-league all the way up the pyramid to the very, very top of the Premier League. And it appears that Arsenal's race is run. Valiant effort. Uh, but after this past weekend's 3-0 defeat to Brighton, it's all pretty much just a formality now. Even Martin Odegaard said so. They had an eight-point lead. Eight-point lead. 248 days spent in first. That's the uh. that, Assuming that they do not win the title, which, like I said, now appears to be a certainty, that will be the most ever days on top without having won the title. Now, I think there's a bit of an asterisk in there because they were top during the month-long World Cup break, right? So that kind of like padded the that, that statistic a little bit with like 30 extra days yeah. um, without anybody playing a game. Uh, so, but still, I mean, the, the point is the point that they, I don't I mean, I don't want to go down the bottling road again. And I'm sick of that though, really. I, I, I know, I know the country has fallen in love with this Arsenal team, so they refuse to consider you this did bottling. for a while, too. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I love the way they play. 
Uh, it was this was an this season was an incredible success for them. But I guess what I'm saying is because I I spoke on this a few weeks ago. I received my lashing from various Arsenal fans. What well, I, I think they're I, I always try to be as unbiased as humanly possible on this podcast. But let's let's be honest. We're all human, huh? We're all human, JJ. I I I, I the amount of Tottenham abuse that was received from Arsenal fans in a year where I was told they bottled it when Chelsea won, when Tottenham okay. were never even top of the table. I, I'm too close to the situation. I'm not I'm not reliable in this, okay? So Look, don't go to me for comment. You know where I stand. It, the, it's all too personal. I haven't forgotten the tweets, the comments, uh, but I know everyone's in love with this team, So everybody's and everyone hates Manchester City, uh, and so everyone will... will come to Arsenal's defense here and whatever. Fine. No, listen, I mean, we don't have to really get, really to get the whole bottling, non-bottling. I, you've made your point. I, 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 I think it's fair to say. Arsenal no, they, they've moved the goalposts for Arsenal. That's well, what's happened here. Well, That's what I'm they've not, done. I'm not, well, allow me to push them back. These goalposts are on wheels, obviously. Um, I, I think Arsenal had a, a superb opportunity to win the league. And they, like the idea again, we had an Arsenal fan, God bless him, tweeting us on, on uh, I think yesterday, it must have been. Oh, at least they took it 36 games. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Unfortunately for Arsenal, we know when, when the, the their ultimate fate happened. And it wasn't yesterday. It wasn't over the weekend. It happened when... They drew at Anfield. It started at Anfield when they were 2 0 up and they drew there. They were then they went to the London Stadium. They were 2 0 up there and they drew again. And then they drew with, with Southampton. Those results put together. And though, I mean the Southampton game, it's is it almost a month ago? It's got to be three weeks ago. That's when it happened. Um so what I would say the the defeat by Brighton, I mean it was a mauling. Brighton were so much better than them on on this well, in the second half in particular. Um this was a coup de grace which is a death blow or a death shot administered to end the suffering of one mortally wounded. Like Arsenal were mortally wounded. They were bleeding on on, on, on the battlefield. Um, the second definition is a decisive finishing blow act or event. Decisive is true in that points-wise and everything-wise, it's going it's, it's gonna to be Man City. We know that now. Um, but this, I mean, Arsenal have been writhing in some agony. Uh, I I I I'm loath to use this imagery, but we we, we all remember Vin, Vin Diesel in Saving Private Ryan oh. when the sniper takes him out. He's in the rain, and you know he's dying, and he needs medical attention, but nobody can get to him. Arsenal or Vin Diesel? Oh my God! Yeah, I just I wanted to tickle your World War Two bone. Well, you consider me tickled. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they they've won two of their last seven. Yeah. Like they've they've taken nine out of a possible what twenty one points over that stretch. Like they've it's all come crashing down. Like you can I guess look call it whatever you want, move the goalpost wherever you want. But these are the numbers. These are the facts. Two wins in their last seven matches when they had a lead in the Premier League title race. Like whatever you want to call that, I don't know. Go ahead. Um, I also think and I'm should... not trying to I'm not trying to disrespect. Like no. I know that that term bottling is so. It's inherently disrespectful, so it's hard to to say that about a team without it coming across as disrespect. So fine, so, it's then meant so as be disrespect. It. Then so be it. Like I guess, then sure, say that. Then I'm disrespecting them by saying that, but I do applaud them. Like I I acknowledge the fact that to win a title in this era 
of Manchester City's dominance is extraordinarily difficult. And we're we're seeing that. Arsenal gave it their all. They just don't they don't have a squad the size of Manchester City's. Um, and some of it was their own doing as well. Losing, you know, not being able to get three points against teams that they should have down the stretch. It just that that's what happened. That's how they've gotten to this this situation. It's still an incredible season for them. There's no way around that. Um but so let's kind of dive into why. Like, why did this happen? Why did they, why did this collapse occur? And I think for me, you know, we've spoken on this, but defensively they've fallen apart. Like that's, that's what it's come down to. Before April 9th, they were conceding 0.93 goals per game. Since April 9th, they're conceding 2.14. That's an, that's an enormous uptick in goals allowed. They were able to withstand a lot of injuries over the course of the season. Partey, Smith Rowe, Jesus. Uh, but William Saliba's injury appears to be the one that they couldn't. Now, I'm not he's not the best defender in the league, but sometimes it's not necessarily always about how good the player is who gets hurt, JJ. It's mm-hmm. more about, well, who's the guy who's stepping in for him? Like when Gabriel Jesus got hurt, that was obviously a big blow to Arsenal's hopes because he was having a really good season in his first year with the club. But the blow was softened because we came to find out that Eddie Nketiah was up for it. The replacement behind the guy who got hurt turned out to also be really, really good and probably would be starting at a lot of other clubs around the league. So they were able to withstand that blow. The drop from Saliba to Rob Holding was obviously far greater. They couldn't withstand it. The partnership that Saliba and Gabrielle had together, that chemistry takes a while to build. They had done it over the course of the season. They built great chemistry. And obviously that chemistry, when Saliba disappeared, it was it was impacted. More fell to Gabrielle. He's struggling now late in the season. He's probably tired. Um, and so that was, you know, if I kind of looked back at a certain turning point, um, it might be, you know, th- there's any number of them you could look at. But Saliba's injury, what was it, in, in the Europa League, right? Yeah, I think um, so. That against Sporting, um, you know, that, that is one that you could potentially look at now in seeing the way that Arsenal's defending has, has really kind of fallen apart in, in certain games. I think you could look at that and say, yeah, that – that might have been it. I think watching them as well, if you look at the, again, those those run of three games, uh, but particularly West Ham, the opening 10 minutes, 15 minutes, how good they were. The football was so good. It was so incisive. And then stops. Like their, their inability to stretch performances out across those 90 minutes down the stretch was a problem. Liverpool as well. How good were they in that opening, you know, maybe 20 minutes? They were really, really good. And... They allowed Liverpool back into it. And I don't know if that was like fatigue or it was some kind of uh, just, you know, sometimes some teams don't look comfortable in the lead. When they've got the lead, they suddenly fall backwards and they get nervous and they and they kind of retreat into themselves. So I, it, it was a lot of those things. I also, sh- we should say about just the weekend as well, you know, um, the Athletic did a good piece on how Brighton are a problem team for Arsenal. Uh, three of their past four home defeats in all competitions, five if you include Sporting Lisbon on penalties, have been to Brighton. Hmm. 2-1 in April last season, one of six losses in the final 12 games which ended their Champions League hopes, a 3-1 Carabao Cup exit last November in De Gerbi's eighth game in charge on a night when Arsenal scored first, and now yesterday's 3-0, their biggest beating they've taken at the Emirates Stadium in over two years since Liverpool won there by the same scoreline in April 2021. So... There are things 
we we should give credit to Brighton for for what they did at the weekend. But there are there are mitigating circumstances for Arsenal. Somebody sent us an email. A listener said, "Look, you can you can look at Manchester City and you can go position by position and you can say they can lose a player here, he can come in. They can lose a player there, he can come in. That's not the case at Arsenal and or, or anywhere really. Most, most places, yeah. And that's the that's the um, that's the 115 charges by the Premier League pound elephant in the room. You know when we when we look at it, but that's." That's something we'll we'll talk about um, probably on another podcast. Yeah, Arsenal just just came up short, ran out of gas, and I feel bad for them because I I was listening to David Seaman at the weekend. I was listening to a number of commentators on Sky, you know, and basic. This is the line, uh, you know, a terrific season for Arsenal. Came so close, ran out of steam. Injuries hurt them, but but they'll kick on next year. Will they? It's not a guarantee. It They'll just, be. I mean, look, they're the second youngest team in the league. Only Southampton fielded an average young, a team with a younger age this season than Arsenal. So that's that's the good news. Um, but but the bad news is we're we're all living in Manchester City's world, and Newcastle are are we we know what's happening there and the ascent of that club financially. Um, so we like you just don't know how many bites at the apple your club that isn't owned by a nation state is going to get at these things. And this might've been Arsenal's bite. Now I, they can still continue to be good, but you know, asking them to do this again. Um, yeah. And, and look, they are a club. They're in London. They're kind of, they're a glamour club. Um, so like they'll, they will attract significant attention on the transfer market this summer. I'm sure that they will, you know, big things will happen there. Um, but it's not, I don't think it can be considered a given that they'll be right back in this position. No, I, 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 part of me wants to say the reason, actually, I won't say part of me. All of me wanted Arsenal to win this for kind of everyone because I, I'm of the firm belief that we're about to see things get boxed off even further. And a lot will depend on who the next owners of Manchester United are. But there's a chance that it's going to be very much Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates at the top of the league and everybody else scrambling below for, for some kind of position for the crumbs from that table. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting. I was reading Ars blog uh, today and, you know, he's kind of maybe not talking about certainly that, you know, oh, this Arsenal team are done. It's it, not that, but, you know, they can be that good and still need more and more players to, to compete. Yesterday simply reinforced some things we already knew. You can't lose players like William Saliba and Alexander Zinchenko and hope to be the same. Our midfield needs more than we currently have. Up front, I think there's a need for a different kind of player to deal with games like this. Pumping the ball to Gabriel Jesus to compete with big centre halves isn't great, regardless of how hard he tries. We are a bit 5-9 in the final third, and more presence there has got to be a high in the summer's agenda. I mean, he's just basically saying, Arsenal have to go to the well financially again. That's not easy. That's really difficult to do in this current climate and get quality players. Um, now, they've kind of worked the oracle a little bit under Arteta so far. I mean, it's it's not like they've done mad spending to get where they are. They just they haven't. They've 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 been clever. Uh, Jesus Sinchenko bringing Saliba back off loan, um, but they're going to have to be clever again. And and I think that's the world, like you said, we're we're inhabiting right now. If you're not a nation state, the uh, football club, then you know it's 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 very very hard. Yeah. Um, and, like and like 
we'd be wrong to think that everything that Arsenal have done this season means that the dysfunction of the past few years has all gone away. You know, there's still questions about, I'm sure there'll still be questions about ownership um, and our, our ownership going to step up with the money that's needed. And and all these are all questions for the summer. But um, yeah, I think everyone was a little bit disappointed. Peter Drury was disappointed. Uh, he, he said he kind of, Kind of felt like no, he wasn't trying to give away the fact that we're all jaded by Manchester City winning the league five out of the last six years. I mean, it's beginning to get a bit. We're we're getting a bit we're getting a bit Farmers League here, Andrew. We're getting a bit league on. We're getting a bit Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I mean, look, we're our bulwark against it. And now, well, I, I mean, look, I, I, shield. I, I certainly give much the way I would Liverpool for all those years. I give Arsenal all the credit in the world for giving us a race to be invested in. I mean, had it not been for them mounting this unexpected charge, what would this season have been? We would have just been, it would have been all top four and relegation. Like those are fine, but having a, there's something you want a title race. Like that's the fun part. That's what we're all here for is, is championships and like the competition of that. So but the commentators were working so hard over the weekend and, and I understand that they're, part of Premier League productions really and they're they're trying to present they're enthusiastic about what they do and sometimes that leads itself into hyperbole but after 30 minutes at Goodison Park when it was nil-nil um, you can feel the tension around here there's just so much at play for both these sides is there is well, there really I mean that was it was true it, we were just waiting for the dam to burst <laughs> I mean yes that is that is also true the last <laughs> bit I'll say on this uh, regarding Arsenal you're right transfer market they're going to have to be both active and smart yeah. um not always an easy balance to strike uh they're going to have to try to find that but I will say about them and I, I mentioned their youth you know Saka 21 Martinelli 21 even Odegaard who I feel like has been around for for a long time he's only 24 so like especially guys like Saka Martinelli guys who are that young they're not what they're gonna be yet so that is you know if you are looking for hope that if you're an Arsenal fan that this is this is only the beginning of something like David Seaman was saying that you know they'll kick on next year I mean that that is there are players already there who are not the best versions of what they're going to be uh, and I, that is, that's important to keep in mind as well. Um, one other note on this, like you said, Brighton, I mean, w- the focus obviously was Arsenal because essentially a title was lost, uh, over the weekend, but there was a team that dealt that blow to them and it was Brighton. And this is yet another exclamation mark in this extraordinary season for them. They were brilliant. I mean, they were, oh. they were what they've been for, for so much of the year. Yeah, and they didn't, it wasn't a case of, oh, they went there, some kind of smash and grab. They were the better side. I mean, that was the really, the killer thing for Arsenal supporters was, it wasn't some valiant last gasp effort. I mean, they were completely outplayed. Completely outplayed. Um, Again, I go back to that Athletic uh, article about this. Like, Brighton adapted their style of play for Arsenal's quality and their threats in the following ways. They attacked with a back four and double pivot, but playing direct in behind to their wingers. Uh, they were switching wingers, Caro Matoma and uh, Julio and Ciso over in the first half with Matoma starting on the on the right for the first time. Centre-back Levi Cowell tightly tracking central, central midfielder Martin Odegaard in the high press, breaking the game up and denying transitions with fouls. There was plenty of... It was actually quite a physical game. Uh, I wanted to mention something about that. Yeah. So early on, 
Matoma's waiting for a ball. Martinelli comes flying in yeah. as recklessly as one can, takes him out. Um, no, no card, I believe, no. right? And so I'll preface this by saying I'm never rooting. I don't want to ever see anyone get hurt, ever. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Like, Brighton, I've talked about Deserby, how, like, I feel like there's 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 anger in there. There's there's a personality in there. There's like he's an interesting character to me um, in his fieriness. Yeah. And I do wonder if his team is taking on some of the manager's personality because Martinelli did that. Nothing happened on the field. And so what happened right after Caicedo basically took matters into his own hands. Martinelli got on the ball around midfield and Caicedo came in from behind and completely cleaned him out. To the but point where, it, and and I say I'm never rooting for injury because, you know, in the moment I thought, well, like that's that's kind of how you exact justice, I guess, on the field. But then I, I wasn't happy. Martinelli eventually had to leave yeah, with the with an, with an injury that he suffered from that. So obviously that's not good, and that's why referees need to maintain some control over a match so it's not players exacting their own revenge. But I saw that and I thought, well, this Brighton side isn't just technically gifted or or you know talented like they've. They play with with that kind of feistiness like their manager has. Caicedo was not going to let Martinelli off the hook for that. And he I, went in hard. I, I I agree with you and, and and there's there's probably a lot of a lot of truth to that. I do think that Caicedo doing doing what he did is a byproduct of the fact that this let it flow continues to happen and therefore if a player sees that there's not been a booking for what should have been a booking or even possibly a red because it was reckless, yeah. then it does kind of open the floodgates to further bad behavior, shall we call it. And and that's a problem for the league. They've got to... The game is just fine. The game is very, very fast. It's very, very fluid. There are not intrinsic uh, English values we have to get back to of, of random acts of violence anymore. Like, the game's changed. Players are too fast. The fields are too hard. The ball moves too quick. Like you said, you're asking for injuries if you're so kind of laissez-faire with your cards. Uh, yeah, and that is eventually what happened. Um, so yes, it's Brighton three nil. Arsenal's title race appears to unofficially, but kind of officially, be done because Manchester City went to Goodison and won by that same scoreline three nil. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, like we're talking about depth, he did not play Manchester City in a. I mean, again, the stakes were high they weren't incredibly high. Like even if city had lost, it would have made things interesting. But like it, the point being, it was a game of re- of importance still in terms of a title race late in the season and Manchester city were able to rest yeah. arguably their best player. <laughs> like who does that? But they can because he sits. And so what happens? Ilkay Gundogan comes in and has that kind of impact, that kind of performance. He was, he was incredible in the face of all this talk of him leaving um, this coming summer, he was he's ending the season in an amazing fashion. Goal of the season contender uh, with I, I mean, I guess his his free kick was brilliant. That was a, a perfectly weighted free kick. But his first goal, the way he settles it and then volley volleys in a way that I I don't know how you describe that, JJ. Uh, some kind of a like a side flick volley. It was absolutely okay. brilliant. Yeah. Who was this guy commentator said his goal of the season? Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember, but someone definitely said it was. 
And I, I think it's, it's such good improvisation. And the first touch is, is deliberate with kind of like the outside of his thigh to move it into position. He's not even looking at the goal. Yeah, and he just kind of stabs at it. Yeah. And yeah. it's perfect. It, it's absolutely perfect. It's a brilliant yeah. goal. I mean, um, I don't know. It, it's it's in it's in contention. I don't know if it'll win it, but I will say, no, I, I haven't seen another goal that looks like that this year. It's some, it's one of one in that way. Yeah, if if we're looking for something unique, some kind of improv, then maybe maybe that is the one. Um, also, I was, I, I was I was thinking more about it, JJ. I don't know that the Isak Newcastle goal can be goal of the season. I, uh, I'm un, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I think it's the it can be the assist of the season. But I don't know that it can be the goal of the season. I I think you're wrong. Okay. I think it can be. Because, like, say, say for example, say it was a brilliant uh, piece of, say it was Man City, right? And it's brilliant. Maris picks it up deep, plays it back to Rodri, Rodri inside, and it's like 15, 16 passes. And the final touch is where it's rolled across the goal, and it's a very easy tap-in. Like, we would still say that that's a brilliant, brilliant goal. Mm-hmm. So why can't we do the same for this goal? Well, so would it be goal of the season and assist of the season? Well, for, well who cares about assist of the season? It's just goal it of the season. It means everything to me. It's probably no. the more prestigious of the awards. Uh, okay, well, goal of the season is the one that we've always focused on down through the years. But interestingly, I've always, I, I turn off the Academy Awards after Best Supporting Actor. I have no interest in anything that happens after that. <laughs> well, that would be you. That, that would be you. I don't care about anything. Has, has Best Supporting Actor been on yet? Um, no, I, I think it's such a brilliant run. It's it glides through people, destroys them. That that it absolutely can be in a run in there. Okay. So that's two goals right now. I don't think my Emmy Bundia goal is going to make it in there. Oh, an opinion that didn't age well. No, no, no. I still hold to, I hold fast to it. It's just it's it's probably well, show me something. Stand it, by it. It's too subtle. It's but it's not going to be in there. I'm I'm talking too about subtle. That's yeah. a nice way of putting it. Yeah, but anyway, um, so city, yeah, it's uh. I don't know what to say. Gund- really. Can we one more note on Gundawan? Just because I thought that a this performance was so great, and b he's he's just been this now for a while. Um, like thinking just through Manchester City over the years, if I just like throw out who's been their most underrated or most unheralded great player, I'm starting to think he might be it. I've been thinking about that a little bit as all these Barcelona rumors are heating up of, of him potentially leaving. Like the resume that he started to put together. Remember, like the one season where overnight he was, you know, Pep just kind of put him in position of like, okay, well, you're going to be a great goal scorer now. And like suddenly he's scoring goals all the time. Last yeah. season he scores. Look, if not for the Aguero moment against QPR all those years ago, Gundawan's goal last season on the last day of the season is maybe the biggest goal in Manchester City history to win that title last year. Mm. Uh, so he's got like the big game moments on his resume. Um, He's doing it again now, late in this season, in this title charge. We'll see what sort of Champions League moments still await. But I think if if we're talking about most underrated city players of this era, I think I think about him. Uh, I, I guess like David Silva, I think is one that I probably oh, would throw Sil- in there. But David Silva wasn't under underrated. Yeah, by the end, I don't think he was. I they think talked. Right. They, I mean, Jesus, didn't they put up one of those weird robotic statues outside for him? Um, I I would say Kyle Walker because look at that oh, okay. def- look at that defense there. Um, that played at the weekend. So you had a Kanji Laporte and Diaz. Like Walker is like one of the great survivors from from before that. Now I know Pep Guardiola constantly kind of um, says he's a great player. Says he can. Well, he doesn't really say he's a great player. He says he's an athletic player and that he can do a lot of running and stuff. But he doesn't. 
he doesn't seem to be as enamored with Kyle Walker as a lot of us are. And but Kyle Walker's still there. So I think for me, it'd be probably be Kyle Walker as as like I said, the great survivor in that side. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. And uh, uh, what did you what did you make of Pep going up uh, going up to the fans and holding up two more, two more? What do you mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. They're they're jub- He's jubilant. I get it. I suppose. Yeah, it just seems. I don't know the 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 backdrop. If I if I'd been two more like two more games or like two he, more trophies, two more wins. I think was his thing. Well, they're on for a treble now, right? So is he? No, he's two more games. Was kind of what he was trying to say for the league. Yes, not like we need two more for the treble. Like we need we need the FA Cup and the Champions League. Now. Oh, well, that's a good question. I don't. I, yeah. I don't think he would do that. I no no no. I don't think he was doing that. It's just if you were parachuted into to that zone, right? You didn't know the rest of the season. Totally out of context. You know how football works, but you're there. You're you're taken to Goodison Park. Mm-hmm. And you see Guardiola doing that. Two more, two more. Wouldn't you think it was like this titanic struggle at the top that's going to go right to the very end and he wants to bring all the supporters with well, him? Well, remember, Arsenal had not played yet. So that game was still to come. Um, it, like it's, not like we, it's not like we knew they had lost. But, I mean, still, but, but, oh. but you have to look at it from Manchester City's perspective. They were eight points back not long ago. Like that. that's, for them, this was not like... We can, we can all sit here and say, oh, it was a given. This is always going to happen. Well, maybe that's true. But, like, they are the ones that had to actually do the work to make it happen. True, true. And so true. for them, like, an eight-point comeback is is a significant moment. Like, that's – of all these titles that they've won, this is one that they'll remember, that they had to do that. Um, you know, so I, I'm fi- – they – like, yeah, to us, it's an inevitability. We're not excited about it. But, like, if you're within those walls and you had to, like, go through the, the day in, day out of, of overturning that deficit, like, celebrate it. Be, you know, treat it however you want. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about these two games, kind of meshing them together. So, Manchester City, like, if you're Arsenal, are you in any way mentally impacted by, like, the, the City game ended what like 30 minutes before the arsenal one kicked off is there something deflating about manchester city winning that that it, it's now a little bit harder to get up for if you're arsenal no no I, i'm not buying into that okay no not for me i mean they, you've got to expect city to win at everton you've got to be mentally prepared that hey they're gonna win that's yeah. happening you have to and then you have to come out and and and, and perform and it would be really disrespectful to Brighton to suggest anything other than they they played Arsenal off the park. Arsenal tired probably. Did they have do they have injuries? They absolutely do. But let's let's just say they were well beaten yesterday. That's the that's the fairest way to put it. And I don't want to I don't want to say oh they their heads were gone when they saw City won. They couldn't like they couldn't wrap their minds around City beating Everton. Let's come on. Let's be real. All right. I apologize. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to the other, the Everton side of this. I know we didn't talk about them, but we'll do a little relegation chat coming up here in, in part two. Um, still a lot to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back now. Caught Offside, a beautiful, absolutely stunningly beautiful day here in the New York area. Although Gorgeous. I will say, I'll, I don't know about you. I don't know if it's quite as bad in the city. Uh, the concrete jungle, as they call it. Um, my allergies are out of control and I, like, I don't know, you don't have a ton of, like, I don't know if there's enough pollen in the city for you to feel it, but like, no, my, like my eyes, the whole, it's all of it. 
It's all of the the sneezing, runny nose, itchy eyes. Uh, oh man, it's killing me this year. I would have to say I have so much sympathy for people who who struggle with this. It's awful. Um, I met a friend of mine at the weekend, and and her friend was just bunged up, like to the point of I can't understand the words you're saying. Nasal, you know, crying, and like the, you know, the the watering eyes, awful, yeah. absolutely awful. I but now I grew. I don't know why. I know Irish people who never had allergies and then they moved to the States and all of a sudden like the pollen is different or or maybe it's the heat or whatever and and, it, and they develop them and it, it must be awful. So far, I have not. Well, you live I'm, with a cat. I mean, you you probably have immunity to all every allergy under the sun. I can't even set foot in your place I without mean, feeling it right away. Well, you don't want to set foot in my place, let's be honest. The cats are a convenient reason for us to keep a professional distance. That's the truth of it. <laughs> You just don't want to hang around with me and you don't want to come to my home. Uh, no, I, I, it's not the cats because um, I remember visiting before I, I live with cats myself. I like if I go to a certain uh, a house with a certain breed of cat in it, I, I, I could sneeze and and, uh, and and cough a lot as well. But it's it's not that I've never I, I know I know when this time kicks around and I know the people who are suffering like in what it's. It's like having a permanent cold all the time. Yeah. All the way through summer. I, I, I feel for you. I really do. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, let's see. We'll get to Barcelona in a sec. One thing, I forgot to put this on the rundown, but I did want to mention it to you, JJ. I'm sure you, you've probably seen it by now. But, um, boy, I never... <laughs> every time I see these scenes of, like, well-known, established brand teams receiving tongue lashings from their fans like yeah. AC Milan did over the weekend. I'll, I'll never, that will never get old to me. It's every amazing. Time, like, I could see it happen every week of the season from now until my last days on this planet. And I'll still be amazed by it every single time. AC Milan, they lost to Spezia two nil over the weekend. And they, they went to their, um, their support and uh, to kind of, you know, I don't know, applaud the them ultras. or whatever their ultras. And, and, Next thing you know, they're being lectured, it, it looks like, as though they're school children who did something naughty in class. Was, you can, it's amazing. They're all just intently listening to their fans as their fans are screaming at them. Now, I will say, uh, I, I haven't seen all the reports on it, but there's there's part of it that I think it might have looked a little more negative than it actually was. Mm. Uh, Mark Passato for like uh, Gazette della Sport, um, he he acknowledged that the discussion he he says was quote certainly unprecedented, but he said it was more of a quote call to order in view of the second leg with Inter. Um, as AC Milan was walking off after they had spoken with the fans like this, the Curva Sud chanted, "Come on, fight! You will win!" And quote, "We want eleven lions." Uh, they were chanting in their native Italian. So I think, I don't know if it was necessarily a, you guys are awful, you're a joke, we're embarrassed to support this club, what are you going to do to make this right, we want to be refunded. I don't know that it was that. I think it was more of a, almost like a pep talk to the team. Like, come on, like you're you're in a bad moment here, but you've got another game against Inter coming up. Find it. We believe in you, find it within your, something like, I, I think it was more, that's the sense that I got in reading yes. about it, but to watch it play out, like it's just, again, it's one of those things that my American brain 
can't comprehend because it's li- I don't know. I, I watch every sport. I haven't seen that. I've never I just have not seen that sort of interaction between a team and its fan base after a tough loss. Yeah, and I'm I'm generally okay with it as long as it doesn't get um like it doesn't get violent or or like there's no racist abuse of players. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm actually I'm absolutely fine with it. Like we we constantly complain about the wedge being driven between supporters and the millionaires that play football on the field. Like they don't in- inhabit the same worlds anymore. So when you see that kind of a level of accountability and mm-hmm. to know that you play for, for these supporters who will back you all the way through thick and thin and, and they show them acknowledgement. I think that's, I think that's a good thing. I remember we did a piece when um, Gennaro Gattuso was manager of, of Napoli and uh, their ultras visited him at the hotel and he had to come out on his balcony and uh, like converse with them. Yeah. And it wasn't that he was going to address them. They were addressing him. Um, I remember the, the story that stuck with me all the time was um, when the Lazio ultra, ultras visited the training ground and demanded to speak to the captain and the manager and they were let in. It was in Unbelie- the mid- unbelievable in, in the mid nineties. So um, Nesta, and uh, I think Nesta was there at the club at the time, and um, and whoever the manager was, I can't, I can't quite remember. But they had to sit down and and get lectured on performance, uh, on on what was acceptable, what wasn't acceptable, um, by by the Lazio ultras. Um, I for one believe this should happen every single month, but not to the players, to the board. The board should be taken out and put in, and answered questions by the player by um by the fans. Fans should be able to question the board and have access to the ownership and know exactly what's going on in their club. But um, it wasn't that bad, yeah. No, it's just it's just a visual that I just it's always amazing to me whenever I see it. Now, Espanol ultras making Barcelona chasing oh them off the God. field. <laughs> that might. Oh be, my! Yeah, that might be crossing the line. All right. Well, let's get into it, Barcelona. Congratulations to them. They win their first title since Lionel Messi's departure. Um, it's a brand new day at that club, and they have done it. Much of the way, you know, I think Real Madrid's first title after Ronaldo felt important, you know, that no one is bigger than the club. There are still going to be good days here. This, I think this is a similar moment for Barcelona. Now, having said that, they're desperate to bring Messi back, so uh, who knows? But uh, props to them, because like for whatever weird vibes or off-field culture or negative headlines that that there have been around this club over the past year plus off the pitch. It did not affect them on it. Um, This club, other than a rough start to the season um, and in, and obviously some blips in Europe, but in, in terms of the league, you know, it was, I was reading about it. ESPN FC has a good feature up kind of taking you through this season and how Barcelona would do this. Yeah. It's very thorough. And they talk about Javi and his impact. And basically this was the message before the season that we're not going to just win the league. We're going to win it with ease. That's our focus this year. Um, It was all about getting back on top of La Liga. And he was preaching that message from August. They said that was the, there's a documentary. This isn't just something they're saying after the fact there's a documentary where you see him speaking to the team beforehand, I guess. And it's, it's his message. We're going to crush this league. And, um, and they went out and they listened to their manager. They certainly did it. Um, Defensively, they're amazing this season, 13 goals conceded, uh, just ridiculous. And they needed to be JJ 11, one nil wins for them this year. I mean, those are games, those are kinds of, those are the results that swing the balance of, of a season of a title race. You know, those can be one ones just as easily sometimes as they can be one nils. Um, 
but they got great goalkeeping and defensively, you know, they made signings like Andres Christensen on a free signing on a free transfer. I don't know that that was, that was obviously important. It got headlines, but I don't know that like anybody was looking at that as, as no. a move that's going to swing a title race. Well, I think it kind of did like his partnership with Ronald Araujo is one of the best center back partnerships in Europe this season. Um, you know, so that was, it turned out to be, you know, a massively important move for them. Um, cause they are incredibly difficult to break down. Obviously, you know, Robert Lewandowski coming in 21 goals this season. Uh, that was huge. And then, like I said, Javi, um, I'm, I'm so, I'm very, I found myself very happy for him because I look, obviously he's a club legend, certainly, but I think there was always this, you know, Barcelona, when he came in, we're in this weird time, Messi leaving, all the off-the-field stuff, the financial stuff. And so when they brought back Xavi, wasn't there part of you, JJ, that was sort of like, okay, we know he's great, we know how respected he is, but are they doing this because he's actually a great manager, or are they doing this because they just need the fans back on their side? They just need to win a press conference. And I, I think that that thought existed. Like, why is Xavi actually getting this job? Does he actually warrant this this role? And I think the fact that he's gone out here now, backed up his words from before the season, did so in a way where had to make difficult decisions. Everyone was always worried, oh, how's it gonna how are things gonna go down when his buddies on the team aren't playing well? Well, what happened to Gerard Piquet? Out. Goodbye. You know, like Jordi Alba, he doesn't start for them now. Like these are these are the mainstays of Barcelona. Javi didn't care. Didn't care. Javi's lost, JJ. We told we right. sang about it over a year ago. Yeah. Um you know, he didn't care. The goal was winning and it didn't matter how that was going to happen. So, um, yeah, maybe he had a direct route to this position that others wouldn't necessarily have had because of his history with the club. But I told you, we talked about this back uh, earlier this year when I watched the Barcelona documentary. And this was before Xavi had been named anything at the club. He was still, I think he was still in, in Qatar or wherever he was. And like to a man, everybody in the documentary was asked about the future post Pep, who's going to be the next great manager, Xavi. Javi, Javi, all of them said so. Like they just, it was ingrained in him the way they play, his leadership. Uh, so he backed all of it up, and I think he's erased whatever doubters there were out there as to whether or not he deserved this job. He has earned the respect of everybody, and I think he's, you know, this is this is a great moment for him, and I'm and I'm happy for him. Yeah, um, I, I think it, it's crucial, and maybe as the uh, the the article kind of says, we should give Ronald Koeman uh, some credit for turning to the likes of Pedri and Gavi during a period sure. of financial austerity at the club. But there is a sense that there, I know Frankie de Young's 26, there's Pedri, Gavri, Gavi, Pedri's 20, Gavi's 18. Um, there is a sense that maybe there's the basis for a new generation. Um, and certainly the article kind of suggests, like uh, like Arujo is 24. Well, Balde is 19. Yeah. You know, like, so I was going to ask you, is this, how is this title viewed? Is this the beginning of something for for Barcelona, or is it just is it just kind of a standalone title? And who knows what next year will bring? I don't know. I I I kind of feel that we're going to see a rejuvenated Real Madrid next season. Mm -hmm. So I mean that that would change the dynamic there a little bit as well. Um, I don't know. Busquets, he's gone. Lewandowski, old Rafinha, I'm not convinced by. I, I'm not sure he's like top quality, like Barcelona level. Um, 
as good as the centre-backs were, can they be that again? Uh, and can they be better in Europe? That's the other thing. I mean, Europe is going to be a big testing ground for them next season, never mind domestically. It's it's be- it's better. The situation is better than it was, but I mean, we're still hearing about like pretty much terrible financials behind the scenes. So I, I, I'll i just, uh, I'll do the usually cowardly thing and say, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't There's know. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, look, I don't either. I mean, my gut is to say, no, I don't know that. Like it, it could be. Well, it's never going to be what it was. It could be the beginning of something. In that, if we thought Barcelona, like we look, it's not that long ago that we were sitting here doing a podcast, wondering if Barcelona were about to enter into some sort of Manchester United like haze, where like well, some people. The, I mean, we we spoke to Simon Cooper, and he said the worst case scenario was that something like a Leeds United would happen to them. Oh my God! Yeah, I, that's right. Um, but you know, so we've had those conversations as to whether or not they were about to take a step back and kind of be like, you know what Juventus maybe are going through, like trying to battle for top four. Maybe there'll be some years where they challenge other years. They'll be seventh. Like we were, that's what we thought the future was for Barcelona. Now sitting here, they just won a title with such ease with jarring ease. They've got truly transcendent players at incredibly young ages. They're talking about bringing in Gundogan on a free transfer this coming summer. So I will at least say, I don't know that it's the beginning of another reign of dominance for Barcelona, like what they did during the Messi pep years. Um, but I think it at least signifies a stabilization perhaps in some ways, like, okay, we're still like, if you're a Barcelona fan, you can say, okay, we're still going to be good. Like, I don't know that we're going to be better than Real Madrid every year, but like, I think we're still, we're still going to be a contending club. And I think that they can maybe rest easy in knowing and at least seeing that from this title. Yeah, I would think so. Um, does this justify, by the way, like we talked about their summer and we were like, they're, they're in dire financial straits. Like they're selling like future TV earnings to bring, like, what are they doing? Signing Robert Levin. Who do they think they are right now? Yeah. It, the fact that they got no back to the top of the mountain this quickly, does it justify those decisions? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, they've sold, they've sold the family jewels. They've done, they've done so much damage. We don't know about yet. Uh, and moved far, so far away from what we know our our perception of the club was. I mean, the new camp, the Spotify new camp. Well, all right, I, that's the. I mean, look again, my American brain. Every stadium here is named after companies. Like it does, that stuff doesn't the really Qualcomm me. Arena doesn't really phase me in the way that it, it like. It's so the funny, che- like the cheese at Park. I, I'm gonna go. I'll go full American now, and and. Like your not you specifically, but like the European arrogance of like, oh, Americans naming stadiums after banks. Who do they think they are? Okay, well, you guys have had sponsors on your shirts for generations. Yeah. Like, so like, I don't know. Take your pick. Which one is which one is worse? Like, we're all doing the same stuff here. It just looks different. No, not really. Banks are worse. Banks are worse. I I, I use that. Okay, American Airlines. I don't know. Whatever you want, they're all companies. They're all major corporations. You're going to split hairs now as to who, what, what's okay to have. We're better because the things on our shirts. You have betting companies. I know that's about to change next year, but come on. Yeah, stop. We've, we've only had betting companies for the last ten years or so, ten fifteen years. Right, so we're all doing the same stuff. I, I don't want to like, hear oh American loop. influence now. Stadiums named after companies. Like, all right, whatever, fine. You had companies on shirts forever. All right. Wow, we've been storing that one up for a while, haven't you? Uh, it's always that's that's such a European arrogance thing that it, that never made sense to me. 
that they had the nerve to to rip Americans. The nerve to suggest that America is an over commercialized capitalized when when you've got companies strewn across your shirts yes yes, yes the, the it is the definition of hypocrisy yes Come we, on. All, we all remember that massive company that sponsored luton in the first division bedford vans oh yeah you know it is dangerous de- corporation. look at you now you've got your backup now all right all right i like it the feistiness in you defending your european heritage no i think that's nice defending it's, my it's, european heritage it's hypocritical it's very Sorry. hypocritical, but isolate isolating that defending my European heritage yeah. sounds sounds a bit off. All right, that's what's happening. It's what you're doing. Mm. Um, let's see where where were we in this Barcelona discussion? Oh, uh, we're yeah, done so, with Barcelona. We're moving on. Okay, well, congratulations to them um, on uh, getting back to the top of the mountain in Spain. Meanwhile, JJ, let's go back to the Premier League. Southampton, their 11 year run in the top flight comes to an end. Um, it's uh I would say overall it's it's kind of disappointing in that you know they like they were a good Premier League team. They had a night a four year run that went eighth, seventh, sixth, eighth. Like they were pretty great. Yeah, I mean they honestly like some of the world's best players have come through there. I'm wondering if we can revisit that. I've compiled my all Southampton team. From this, I, from these years back in the Premier League, right? And we don't have to include players. It doesn't have to be all players that left. We can we can include some of the players that stayed as well. I'm, I'm yeah, sure. although there's not very many. Well, Ward Prowse. I, I don't know. Yeah, they're not very good right now. So, it, weren't very many from this current team. But no. But here's here were my my only rule though is that it's from this. It's not like all. It's not like I'm putting Matt Latissier. Like I'm not going like all time <laughs> Southampton or Gareth Bale. <laughs> like I'm not doing that. I'm just talking from this. You're not putting the, Gareth Bale in. No, that's not from this 11 years. He oh. was with that was from there. Like he came up previously and then he was, al- he was already with Tottenham. Can I tempt you? Came back. Can I tempt you? Because you could have Bale, Mane and Tadic as your front three. I, well, I, Bale's not included. Wow. He's not from this 11 year run. All right. Okay. So, so he's out. So, so here, wh- let's go so, through it position by position. All right. Did you do it too? You have a team? I I have a, I have a hodgepodge of names. Okay. Well, goal, goalkeeper, I went Fraser Forster. Okay. Uh my They haven't excelled in the goalkeeping ranks. He's fine though. Like I don't think that if he's your keeper, prime Fraser Forster, I don't know that I'm saying it's a weakness. That's fine. Right. That's fine. Okay. All right. Defensively. Here we go. All right. I went with a back four. Luke Shaw, Toby Alderweireld, Virgil van Dyke, and then the last spot was a little tricky. I went Cedric Soares. Okay. Uh, you but, could have had Kyle Walker Peters there. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> But it's true. <laughs> there are a lot of guys I could have had. Um, I, I do have a bench. We'll get to that as well. But Kyle Walker Peters didn't make my bench either. JJ. You are. Uh, all right, midfield. I did. Um, go, uh, you want to go? You have some here. Uh, I have. Pro- I have a four man midfield. Ward Prowse. Yeah. Um, Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. And then why am I struggling? Go on. Have you who? So my midfield. I went Ward Prowse, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Uh, I put Victor Wanyama in there, okay. and I I know he can kind of flex back and forth. I put uh, Dusan Tadic in my midfield. Okay, all right, and then right. up front, two man attack. Um, so we went with the the, the four four two. JJ Andrew uh, will be playing four four two. <laughs> uh, I went up front, Sadio Mane, and then another guy who I guess can kind of float between there and midfield. But I, I put Adam Lalana next to him. Okay, um, it's a nice team. It's a very nice team. My bench, by the way, Artur Boritz, 
because you need a backup keeper. <laughs> um, obviously, Charlie Austin, uh, Dejan Lovren, Jose Font, Ryan Bertrand. He was the other guy I was considering at fullback, but I went so Yeah, that would have been an option. Maya Yoshida, um, Morgan Schneiderlin. Boy, he had a nice run where I thought that guy, he's one of the few players like in FIFA, in the video game. I wouldn't make very many signings because I tried to be as like realistic as I could to Tottenham's team. But he's one that I I acquired with them. Um, Graziano, he, went to, he went to the, the, the Bermuda Triangle that was Manchester United at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, oh, yeah, it's good signing that Schneiderlin. He, he, he must go down as one of their worst signings yeah, of that era. Definitely. Uh, Graziano Pella. One of the most handsome guys to probably ever play in the league. I think it's important to have a handsome guy on your team. I I I I used to um, think that he was the best looking man I'd ever seen, <laughs> and then I thought about it and I thought he's just too perfect. Where's yeah. the rough edge? Where's the crooked tooth? Where's maybe you know, uh, like he, like his hair? Yeah, it looked like yeah. it was clipped on. It was like perfect. It's like he had a. He probably had a haircut every week. You know, some of these footballers have haircuts every Definitely. week. Definitely. They're on TV every weekend. They're aware of that. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm good with that. And then Nathan Redmond rounded out my bench. But Danny but that Ings. team, like, yeah, Danny. Okay, if you want to put Danny Ings, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that's a good team. I mean, like, that that team, no. like, if they, if, like, obviously, by the way, I know a lot of teams could do this. Um, if these guys hadn't left for whatever club, I mean, you know, we could do this exercise in a lot of places, but Southampton is just kind of an interesting one with all these great names that have come through there. Um, I mean, Van Dyke and Alderweireld is your, your center back pairing Mane up front, um, Tadic, by the way, and the manager for this team would be Potch. Oh, wow. Like I was doing some research and, and somebody had made a team, uh, it, it was on sport.opus or sport.optus and they said Tadic has been prolific since joining Ajax providing 118 goal contributions in 118 games oh jeez sick I I did say it was an absolute oversight by the rest of the Premier League that when this guy was ready to go he ended up going to Ajax for like three and a half million or something I don't know what happened there I don't know he's absolute money yeah uh, I don't know. I should mention, by the way, as I, I say, uh, Poch um, would be the manager of this team. He is now going to be Chelsea's manager. Um, we talked about this. I think it's a great hire. It kills me inside. I um, Just another another. Where notch. are you hearing this? Well, uh, I don't know. Everywhere. Like, I don't think it's a, it's done yet, but it's, no, it's where all, all the reports that I saw yesterday wow. is that this is this is happening and uh we all got to get on board. Yeah, Fabrizio Romano. He's the here we go guy. Yeah. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino will be in London this week to sign the contract as new Chelsea coach. Expected to be uh, valid until June 2026. 20, oh, that hurts. That's got to hurt you. Where am I getting this? Like, I'm just pulling stuff out of nowhere to, to spew on this show. Come on. Uh, and especially, I should have some trust. Ask. Yeah, I had no, but I hadn't seen, I hadn't really seen any of that. Uh, um, what what's next Andrew well at any rate props to Southampton on a nice run we'll see if they bounce back it's not easy and they well, are I think they've done the not... right thing I know they're going getting relegated which is not the right thing it's oh, the opposite of... but they, they have invested in youth I just I wonder like when those now assuming they hang on to them you know when they get to the championship are they kind of ready to could they do a Burnley is what I'm saying sure they could 
wouldn't I, w- I would expect to see them back i would expect to see them back and i hope they come back uh, they've they've contributed a lot uh to english football i, I enjoy them um also in the relegation race earlier today lester get beat by liverpool 3-0 it's starting to feel starting to feel more and more likely that they're going to be going down um Paul Robinson said this to BBC Five Live about them. It's the same defensive frailties. For the first 25 minutes, they played really well in this game. They had the best opportunities and were pushing Liverpool back. But as soon as the first Liverpool goal went in, you could almost feel the confidence just sapped out of this Leicester side. The place went quiet, almost in expectancy of when the next goal was coming. And it did, just three minutes later, by the same guy, Curtis Jones. Uh, Liverpool would then add a third. Um, It's just, it's a bad team, Leicester. It's a bad team right now. Very bad. And um, booed off at halftime. Uh, Liverpool were very, very good. The the goal at the opener by Curtis Jones, the second one, one was very good. He swiveled and, and it was a nice volley. But the first one was such a great ball from, from Mo Salah. Uh, floats it in and uh, it's, a, it's a one-time finish at the far post. Very similar to a goal that he scored against uh, Tottenham Hotspur at Anfield. But... Leicester are so supine. They're so poor. And if if you wanted to sum up their season, the way they acted on the free kick, Salah runs across it and does this back heel because it's indirected. Obviously, it had to be touched. Mm-hmm. And it's a great strike by Trent Alexander-Arnold for the third goal. Don't get me wrong, but just how static and and, and lifeless the whole Leicester. Um, yeah, I I think they're gone now. I think they're going to go. So I think it's Southampton, Leicester, and I fear it's going to be Leeds. Well, let's get to them. Uh, yes. They stay in the fight with a potentially valuable point wow. versus Newcastle. Um, one, this is sort of an ancillary point to this, but this is going to sound really harsh. Um, maybe harsher than it should sound, but JJ, <laughs> Junior Furpo had the kind of game for Leeds where... If I ever found out that he was fixing matches, I don't know that I could be truly shocked by it. I think I could, I would point you, I would say, oh, that's interesting. Bring up the tape of that Newcastle game. What was he doing? Like, what was he actually thinking throughout the course of this game? Studs up challenge that he was fortunate to only have gotten a yellow for. Then a handball in the box for a penalty. (laughs) Like, was he was he did he forget what position he was like did he think he was a goalkeeper like the way he throws his arms up in the air and makes contact with the ball then after all that then he smashes into Anthony Gordon for his second yellow which only missed out on being a penalty by mere inches which would have been his second penalty conceded of the game but he couldn't have known that in the moment he might have thought he was in the box like again i'm not i'm not saying that the, that that should be investigated I'm just saying, if I ever were to find out that he was involved in something like that, I would bring up the tape of this game. That's all. Uh, uh, the tweets I saw was that he's the he might be, which is probably unfair, the worst player you've ever seen at this level. <laughs> like it was a calamity. It was he was so bad. But then Leeds had just this three minutes where they were. They had a chance to make it 2-0. Bamford takes the penalty. That's a question. A guy who's in who's such a lack of form right now and confidence, why is he hitting that penalty? Like, pat, give it to someone else. Misses the penalty. 
Newcastle go down and get an equaliser. Next thing you know, they're leading the game. Um, if they'd gone 2-0 up, I think Leeds can win that game. And that's why yeah. it's so crucial that anybody else hits that penalty other than Bamford at this moment in time. Um, and that's why I think they might be gone. I mean, it's feeling like it's going to be them versus Everton right now in that battle, which makes it all the more interesting because they basically both have almost the same goal difference as well. Um, I think Everton's is one better. Um, minus 24, minus 25. So Everton's so, yeah. is one better, yeah. I mean, that adds a whole nother layer to this. You know, it's to the point where I was talking to our friend Doug um, oh, and Doug. he was I was asking him about, you know, um, Manchester City, Everton. It was before that game. Him and I went out to watch the Sixers. Oh, boy. Together. Is that uh, the worst beating you've seen the Sixers take? I, JJ, I'm so sickened and disgusted with them. Like, if like you've heard my Tottenham rants i guess over the yeah. last month or so uh, th- those would those would pale to the things that i that i'm feeling about the sixers right now but it's not this is not the place this is not the place this is not the place maybe i'll send you some of my my group chats over the last Oof. 24 hours i anyway what a beating like, anyway what they, yeah oh. what, but but the most effing predictable beating I have ever seen. You can ask my – I went out to dinner Saturday night before the game. I was with a couple friends who are big basketball fans but not Sixers fans, and they said, what do you think about tomorrow? I was like, we're going to get absolutely slaughtered. And they said, oh, you're just putting up self-defense mechanisms. I said – and they're like laughing as I'm saying it. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're not understanding. I am not trying to be funny here. This comes from years and years of watching the DNA of this team. This is what they do. At the first sign of trouble, they fold up like a cheap tent. It's just built into their behavior in big games. They are the team that other teams know they can do this to. And that sure enough, period was it was tied at 55. Jason Tatum hit a step back three to go up 62-55. I said out loud, yep, that's it. You could just tell. Their body language sinks. It always, it always is just one run. And they're sunk. Anyway... What was oh yeah so I was talking and I was talking to Doug and he was like the goal difference thing is so interesting with, with between Everton and Leeds because he was saying the Manchester City game for Everton he's like it's almost not even about like the result it's just like don't lose by like try to keep it to like a two goal loss now they didn't they lost three mm. uh, but like that's that's where we're at now is like it, if they had lost one nil it might have felt like a win for them uh, in that case like that. I've, goal difference is such an interesting way of and of potentially having your season end um, when the when it's the margins are that fine. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't tell who it's going to be. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have a previous champion, a champion of within the last seven years are going to go, and a massive club, one of three massive, massive clubs. Forest, well. Forest were a massive club, but Forest, Everton, and Leeds. It's it's it is a fascinating race down there. Opta has their whole like percentages Ooh. of like what's most likely. Um the uh Everton, their chances of being relegated are twenty seven percent versus Leeds, who are sixty eight percent. Uh Leicester eighty five percent. Uh obviously Southampton hundred percent. That's official now. So 
they still like if you're Everton again. I don't know, you know, those percentages. They Everton still have Wolves and Bournemouth. Um, Leeds have West Ham and Tottenham. Um, I don't know what to make of any of those fixtures. They're all weird. I guess I mean Everton's on paper. I think are preferable, but I don't know what Tottenham are going to be at Ellen Road in that last game of the season. If if Leeds need that, I don't know. It's it's hard to look at that. I don't. If I'm a fan of either of those clubs right now, I'm terrified. A lot of sleepless nights in these last two weeks for it's, fans it's, of those clubs. It's truly terrible. Um, see, it's so long since I've been involved in a relegation battle. So, so long. Um, what an unnecessary smug comment. No, but it, it just reminds me of um, of Sligo Rovers back in the day, um, about 20 years ago. And it was just like, oh, my God. When you lose so many games, when you're on the end of so many beatings and you're just looking for anything, a point here, like a, a, an unexpected win there. I remember we bet Bohemians on a, like a terrible night in Sligo and it like torrential rain and and that win. And we thought that's going to, that's going to be it. That's going to be it. You know, that'll, that'll keep us up. It was like, it's, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible existence. <laughs> Now it's joyous if you can avoid the avoid the drop. It's amazing, but it is a tough, tough existence. Uh, you want to do the mailbag? Yeah, let's do the mailbag, Andrew. Oh, uh, let's go. Uh, first of all, yeah, mentioned that the merch is leaked. So get over to uh, Newman's been doing the leaking. Old Deep Throat himself, mm. um, <laughs> a regular uh, Woodward and Bernstein. He is. Yes. Um, it's a conspiracy that went right to the heart of caught offside. Um, or forward slash caught offside pod. Um, the animals are over there. They're having a great time. And uh, the merch is leaked. And it, it does look pretty good, even though those are just two T-shirts strewn on my bed that I took a picture with with my own phone. Uh, Hirojima, the sexual netting discussion gets me going. Uh. That was De Bruyne last week in the Champions League where I got I got deep into the feelings it gave me. And it, it's... It, that kind of noise when you when you hit a strike, like I said, reminds me of a tongue in the ear. Beautiful. Um, so, uh, Fell Winter's demise said, JJ really knows how to get me worked up at 1 p.m. on a Thursday. <laughs> Jada Red, I believe JJ's girlfriend is a YouTube compilation of rocket shots goals she puts on when she wants to get JJ in the mood. Most people like R&B or smooth jazz, but net rattling goals are what get JJ's pants a popping. Actually, I mean, we just talk about everything on this podcast. So I let you know, Massive Attack. There's certain tunes by Massive Attack, and those are the go-to's for the old, the old getting romantic. Anime. Oh my god! Yeah. Are you familiar with Massive Attack? No, no. Okay, but now uh, I'm going to have to listen. Great band out of Bristol. Absolutely love them. But apart from the the perverse nature of this conversation, um. It, the the netting discussion it got me thinking because I was watching a compilation of so if I were to throw teardrop what? on right now would would it would you suddenly not be able to focus no no teardrop's not a, not a sexual one oh okay how about uh, safe from harm safe from harm no that's not sexual either dissolved girl uh, yeah that could get me there okay <laughs> um I think it's Paradise Circus from Helioland. Um, and then they've got some like inert, weirdly inertia creeps, which is kind of dark. That one gets me there. Okay. Um, this is important. anyway, why, what are we doing here? God, 
Um, but but yeah, I, I was watching this compilation of old goals and I thought because of the changes, so you hear that noise because of a change in the way that nets are rigged now. So what you have is a thin, very, very light metal bar that goes round the bottom of the net to keep the net down. Back in the day, that was put in by pins. So curved pins that were hammered into the turf to keep the net down. Not up until very recently. So they used to talk about the ball nestling in the back of the net. Now it doesn't really nestle anymore. Well, sometimes it does, but it mostly hits that thing at the back. And, yeah. uh, and that's where you get that amazing noise from. So much better like this. I prefer this way. You prefer it this way? Yeah. Okay. That's I true. Like it. But yeah. sometimes the ball used to hit the net and it would spin in the net and it gave it a great effect. And um, look at the goals from uh, World Cup 98, some of that, uh, and, and even um, World Cup 94 too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, finally, uh, this is the long email. So let's get into this one. Um, and it, it pertains to the EFL Championship, Andrew. Uh, JJ and Andrew, first off, I'd like to join the chorus by letting you know how much the pod has meant to me these past few years. It's always such a delight to see a new episode pop up in my feed and your voices have been my constant companion as I navigate the complicated ins and outs of daily life. The authentic passion for the game that you exude has led me to become emotionally invested in both your journeys. I'll confess to nearly tearing up upon learning that JJ had a youngin en route. I'm tearing up too, let me tell you. Please keep doing what you're doing for as long as humanly possible. Uh, This... This is where it gets great. I'm a hardcore Sunderland supporter, an affliction I can blame on a flatmate I had while living in Dublin after college. He was a bit of an aspiring Svengali. He'd stay out all night doing ecstasy at clubs, then come home to brew tea and sit cross-legged on the floor while expounding on the meaning of life. Note to JJ, he was the son of a farmer from Wicklow. I love that. And those were things that only happened in college. There was always someone who was drugged up to the gills and they were ready at any hour to give you their views on, on life and the universe. He was also a great admirer of both Sunderland's rabid fan base and super Kevin Phillips. And he somehow convinced me to adopt the Black Cats as my team. I stupidly didn't quite grasp the concept of relegation at the time and thus had no idea I was signing up for a lifelong odyssey of Hartek. Hartek. But with Sunderland now in the cusp of promotion back to their rightful place in the Premier League, they won their first game 2-1 against Luton at the Stadium of Light. I was hoping the pod might throw some love in the direction of the team's captain, California native Lyndon Gooch. Yeah. A few weeks back when Andrew thought out loud about his ideal career, Gooch's situation is the first one that popped to mind. Or remember where you were trying to not be too famous, but just in that sweet spot where you right. wouldn't get hassled in the street. But I would get hassled by the by like real fans. Right. Enough to 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 like you know, soothe my ego. So yeah, so but not is, so much that I couldn't live my life. Right. So this is Gooch. He's a cult hero in Sunderland who's carved out a long and fruitful career, but he's little known outside of Northeast England. Stunningly, for a man who has logged serious game time in the Premier League, he has just four US men's national team caps to his credit. I would say his last Premier League game came what four or five years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the he more is only thought, twenty-seven though. Yeah. Remember, he, he was he he held the he was the fastest player in the Premier League for a while, or the second fastest. Google that while I'm I'll take talking. your word for it. No, no, no. There's an article on it. Okay. But the more I've thought about Gooch in recent days, the more I think he deserves as much, if not more recognition than some of our most celebrated American players. He was once rather loathed by Sunderland fans, dismissed for his lack of technical ability and his problems with injuries, but he persevered and he's become the heart and soul of the team. A man who will play anywhere from winger to fullback, who always goes to full 90 with absolute zeal. The fans who once groaned upon seeing his name on the team sheet now adore him no end. 
and their esteem will only grow if Sunderland can pull off the miracle of two successive promotions. I've long believed that Gooch is far better than several mainstays in the US men's national team pool, notably Jordan Morris, whom he most resembles physically. I get that at 27, he seems too old to get another look from the national team. No, I wouldn't ask Tim Ream about that. Yeah, but if Tim Ream can come in from the cold and become the linchpin of our central defense, perhaps the sun has not yet set on Gooch's US men's Go- national team. Career. Gooch may have two more World Cups still in him. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts about what Gooch has achieved, whether he deserves a bit more consideration for the national team and whether Andrew will be comfortable with being a cult hero in Sunderland. Well, definitely. Thanks again for bringing me so much joy and all the best, Brendan. Brendan, what a lovely email. Beautiful email. And um, and yeah, um, when I saw Gooch uh, exchanging the, the, the crests or the, the mascot with the, with the Luton captain uh, at the start of that game, I, I was like, I had to check. Lyndon Gooch is captain of this team. He's had an amazing career. Now, you're on about having more recognition for the US men's national team. It's going to be hard in League One when just at the time he's in League One, a plethora of players who are playing at, you know, a, not a higher level are available for the US. So he was like, I mean, it's going to be tough to slide him into some of the positions, but I totally get what you're saying. And I think he's had a really fulfilling career and it goes to show you, you know, some football's not all about the next move and always about being upwardly mobile. Some sometimes it's about finding a place, finding a home where you're loved mm-hmm. and you can stay there. Like he's probably going to settle down there and live forever with the way it's going. Like yeah, he's not he's not going to be sold. He's not going to at 27, he's not going to go anywhere. Um, and he could be bringing this team back to the Premier League. That is a very, very cool story. And uh, and something that doesn't happen if he decides, oh, you know what? might take some money, get back to MLS, or I might take a move to another team in the championship or the Premier League. Can I present you with a trivia question? Trivia, yeah. I'm looking at an article from Jason Davis. Um, Lyndon Gooch, a month ago, became the one, two, three, four, fifth American to make over 200 league appearances for one English club. You want to give it a go? Name the other four. Over 200 appearances. With one English club. So Tim Ream is there. That's correct, with Fulham. Gooch, Ream, and here's where it's get, it gets tricky now. I want to say Brian McBride. No. But he split time with Fulham and Everton and, yeah, okay. Uh, Clint Dempsey. No, but he got close. He got to 184 with Ooh. Fulham. Yeah. I would say John Harks. No. Mm. I would say... You're forgetting about a certain position. Ah, Amer- Americans tend to thrive. Yes, he did it with Blackburn. And Casey Keller. No. I'm going to say... Oh, God. You're forgetting about a certain position that is also... Uh, a TV analyst. Um, what other hint could I give? Go on, no, tell me. Tim Howard with Everton. Oh, God, yeah. One other American keeper. Um, Our friend at Reading. Yeah. Hanneman. That's right, Marcus Hanneman. 276 appearances Oof. for them. God, we, yeah. were, we are keeper heavy, aren't we? Uh, we were then. We were then, certainly. Mm. Um, and Guess now he's Lin- not getting to that number with anybody in England. Uh, 
Matt Turner. Pulisic. Oh, Pulisic oh. won't get there. No, it doesn't I, doesn't appear so. But yeah, so would, Lyndon yeah. Gooch is now he's now among that group. Reem, Howard, Hahnemann, Friedel, Gooch. Interesting. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It really um, is. Yeah. So so there you go. By the way, it should be noted. I mean, that's a, Jason Davis points out here that that's the the English focus. Steve Cherundolo made over four hundred appearances um, with Hanover. So between nineteen ninety nine and two thousand fourteen. Okay. So if you want to go Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2, Steve Trendolo kind of trumps them all. Um, but yeah, Lyndon Gooch. Wow. How about uh, that the, in the mailbag? A little bit more Gooch trivia. Oh. He, he appeared once for the Republic of Ireland under 18. Because his mother is, is Irish. What's the question? He played once for the Republic. It's, it's not trivia, I should say. Oh. It's, it's, it's more an interesting uh, fact. Huh. So he played once for the Irish under 18 side, then switched his allegiance to the United States. So you the- should hate him like you do Declan no. Rice and Jack Grealish. Uh, no, no, no. And what? How? What? Are you high? traitor? No, it's not the same. When you, you switch to America, it's not the same as switching to England. Uh, Gooch made his United States U20 debut on November 15, 2014, in a 1 0 win over Republic of Ireland under 21s. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, wow. okay. well, there you go. Is that the mailbag? That's uh, that's the mail busy for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should say, too, I checked in on the animals after I, I had kind of mentioned last week about, you know, I'd be curious if like they would like meet up and watch games together. And like I, I saw a thread formed and it's it's exploded the number of posts in there. That's amazing. I love to see that. It, it is so cool. All all the different places. Um Definitely less international than we'll say maybe if we'd done this when we were the ESPN. But well, I'm not surprised by that. Our, this podcast has always been American focused. So, the, um, uh, Jenison MI. So, is that what is that? MI Michigan, Michigan, I guess. Yeah. Um, Arlington, Texas, Columbus, Ohio. Are you going to read all of these? No, I'm just giving you a flavor. Philadelphia, Hamilton, Ontario, um, Frederick, Maryland, uh, Upland, California, the Brooklyn Zoo, yeah, uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, Royersford, Pennsylvania, New Brunswick, New Jersey, Fullerton, California, uh, Bellingham, Wisconsin. Um, You're going to read all of them, aren't you? But Bellington, Washington, Bellingham, Washington. Excuse me. No, it's just brilliant. It's it's amazing I know. across this great land. Um, People are united in just listening to us blather on about soccer. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's really, Can I just say, uh, yeah. tomorrow, uh, Luton Town, uh, so they host Sunderland back at Kenilworth Road, 2-1 in that in um, in that tie. Define so, tomorrow. So uh, that will be uh, Tuesday. Tuesday at go. 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Because people, and, th- this podcast comes out, we're recording it Monday night, but we release these super you're early. Right. You're right. It's not live radio, JJ. Uh, Middlesbrough then will host Coventry, uh, that's nil nil. So Middlesbrough and um, I mean, at some point, we'll be saying what a job Michael Carrick is doing. Yeah, perhaps we will. Another game of some, some importance later today. Uh, Inter and AC Milan also also playing. Um, and then, of course, Wednesday, the second leg of Manchester City and Real Madrid. We will be back uh, after both of those have commenced. So we'll do one pod uh, you'll see it either. There's a chance, JJ. I don't know. We, I haven't talked to you, but there's a chance that one could be out Wednesday 
almost right after Man City Real Madrid goes final. We'll have to we'll see how it plays out, or you'll see it at your regular time, super early Thursday morning. But there's a chance. There's a chance you could get that one almost as a an, an instant reaction pod. Love uh, how you uh, just inform me of this uh, production note when we're recording. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about this all off mic. Then you can you can let me have it um, for not clearing that with you. All uh, right, but we'll, oh oh my. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, we'll have. I mean, I can't wait for both of those games. Even the two nil. I still feel like just if there's a goal in that early, that could be fascinating. Um, so riveting stuff in the Champions League second leg semifinals on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. We're now in full uh, protect the treble mode for Manchester United supporters. Yeah. Well, by yeah. the way, they they will be. It's amazing because they'll be the the final gate that City could potentially have to get through with that <sighs> FA Cup. Well, not final gate. I would. I'd have to look at the order of events. FA Cup before Champions League final. But they can scupper. But the they. Tur- but they would be the one who they'll have a say in whether or not it can happen. So they would shout for Real Madrid. They shout for themselves, and then they. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's already a lot of meaning on a Manchester Derby FA Cup, but uh, that would be a, a cool angle to it, because um, United obviously want to remain the lone Premier League side to have done it. JJ, that's about all I got. It's about all I got. You? Um, I think that's everything. There's always things happening, though. And I, I, but thank God we have another podcast where I can pick up on anything we've missed. All right. Hopefully, you get that mic looked at uh, between now and then. This is this was unacceptable, but um, you love but, lording it over me, don't I you? I mean, look, it happened to me for what, like two weeks. Yeah. When my when I thought my mic broke, I lost my mind. I I had a temper tantrum. I smashed it on my laundry machine next to me. I went out and got another mic. That one didn't work. And then I found out it was it was never the mic's fault. All I needed to do was a, a Mac software update, and then it worked just fine. And now I know that it's also really durable after I smashed it, and it has continued to function no problem. And, so, and you were in a right rage. I've, I was I've so mad. Seen- I was, you were incandescent with rage. Yeah, I couldn't believe because this mic is expensive. I was like, how does a mic just suddenly break like this? And it turned. I just needed to update my software. People need to know how scary you are when you're angry. It's terrifying. Is it? Oh, when you get because it, it's not regular. Yeah, yeah. I bottle it all in and then I explode. Amanda told me last night while the Sixers were being publicly humiliated and slaughtered on national television in front of America. She went upstairs right before the run started and when I saw her this morning, um, I mentioned how like how uh, how mad I was. I was losing it, and she's like, "Yeah, I, I actually could hear you." I went crazy. I was by myself. She went up. I went effing crazy. I was because I was trying not to be loud, but <laughs> punching the couch repeatedly with every Tatum three. Wow! Because it was like there's something about like I knew it was going to happen, so I can't say I was surprised. But there's something about like desperately wanting them to prove you wrong and like them confirming everything that I know about them just like made me that even angrier. Oh man. Ah, ah, that team. Nothing does it like sports for you. No, that's really, I mean, look work. I'll say this. Kids will test you. I don't get that. Like the, the anger and frustration is different, but they'll test you. Ooh. Yeah. Well, it's all ahead of me. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, oh, sports are, are definitely one of the only things in this world that bring that out in me. There's no question about it. Uh, hey, this was a great time. We'll be back later this week with the Champions League second leg recaps. I can't wait for that. Those games should be a blast. JJ, to you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 